ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شر انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا انه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ الرسالة وأتى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف الغمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله ولتنظر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله إن الله خبير بما تعملون In the name of Allah the beneficent the gracious the merciful I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship, adoration, bowing, and prostration except Allah, the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. And I bear witness that Prophet Muhammad wasallam is his final messenger. Your brothers, your sisters, uh, let me begin my khutbah today. And there's a lot to talk about. But inshallah, try to highlight inshallah some of the sacred important things that we need to pay attention to. First and foremost, two weeks away from the month of Ramadan, is the time that we're living right now. And subhanAllah, this is the time of the month of Shaban when the Prophet was so eager to live to see and witness the month of Ramadan and the extraordinary blessings of the month of Ramadan. Who would have thought that it's been a year since that month has departed and alhamdulillah we're alive today with our families and maybe many have already passed away and departed from our family or community. But we're alhamdulillah among those who have been permitted to take an additional breath to be in the month of Sha'bah. So this is a time inshallah to set our intentions on Allah because we need that healing and mercy from Allah. What a blessing, what an extraordinary blessing and to roll up our sleeves. We're also a night away from the middle of Sha'bah, middle of Sha'bah. And this is an extraordinary sacred time as well. One night that the Prophet has highlighted within the month of Sha'bah which occurs tomorrow night, where he says, وسلم, it's a night in which Allah peeks and looks at his creation to give his mercy and his forgiveness to the believers. What an extraordinary night. And Aisha asked him about that, that night, and he said, it's the night of the month or the middle of the month of Sha'bah. And there are many ahadiths about it, some of which are uh, made up, some of which are weak, but we know for sure that the Prophet spoke of the significance of this night. So once again, understanding that we're in a sacred time in which we need to raise our hands to Allah and to do our, do our utmost in preparation for this extraordinary month so that when we enter it, we enter it with SubhanAllah Ramadan receiving us with its open arms. And Allah gives us according to our intentions. May Allah grant us, inshaAllah, the side of the month of Ramadan. May Allah make, make us among those who are forgiven and enveloped with His mercy tomorrow night, inshaAllah, in the middle of the month. If I were to ask you and tell you, brothers and sisters, would you believe that we're five years, this, is, this week is the five year anniversary of our blessed community and mosque being established, would you believe it? Five years ago, this week, five years ago, subhanAllah, we inaugurated the activities of this mosque. We opened its doors. And I'll never forget five years ago when I was standing in this spot giving the first khutbah. And then Allah, I thought this morning, what a sacred blessing from Allah. May Allah make us among the grateful to witness ourselves as a community five years later and here I am and here you are as a community with our family members and children being 
under the auspices and, and, and under the ceiling of this home of Allah Azza wa May Allah make us flourish. And may Allah make us among those who support this community, who support this masjid. May Allah make, us, make it a shelter for all of us. And here we are five years later, subhanAllah, and two weeks away from the month of Ramadan. Let's roll up our sleeves, inshallah, and give our utmost. It could be the last Ramadan of our lives. If I were to ask you, if I had a pill for you, a pill, just talk to you about the significance of what, what community is and what a masjid is and what relationships are about. If I were to ask you or to tell you or propose to you that I have a pill for you, and this pill, if you were to take it, it will do the following for you. It'll reduce your stress and anxiety. It'll improve your brain function. It'll make your heart beat better. It'll make you live longer. It'll, it'll reduce the inflammation in your system. It'll improve your immune system. And so on and so forth. It is literally the pill to make you a better human being who has a better sense of well-being. Who lives his potential or her potential? Would you take it? Wouldn't you just come and race after me, asking and begging for that pill? You wouldn't believe, brothers and sisters, that significant amount of research that has been conducted in the last decade or two has shown that this pill is the pill of relationships and bonding and connectedness. What does that mean? They've shown in research, and having conducted these studies with so many people of all backgrounds, religious or non-religious, that those who have felt the greatest happiness and self-satisfaction in their lives were the ones who had the best relationships in their communities or within their families. You're telling me that connectedness, bonding with others can improve my overall health and well-being from my brain to my toes? Absolutely. Would it make me live longer according to what the studies have shown? Yes, it has. Clearly, age is given by Allah. But Allah has correlated your well-being and your satisfaction even more. Your well-being, your health, your ability to thrive and flourish and feel better in life to your relationships, absolutely. And the evidence is unmistakable. Unmistakable. How many of us would take that pill and yet not understand that we're missing out on the greatest thing that can contribute to our well-being and growth, namely relationships and connectedness? How many of us have those healthy relationships, meaningful relationships, where you feel that you belong, you feel you're accepted, you feel you're loved. Would you have known that that actually would lead you to lead a better, healthier, more flourishing life? They've identified in research that the most important need of the human being, most important in this existence of ours, is the need to belong. The need to belong. You know what that means? To have relationships with others and feel loved, feel appreciated, feel safe, feel trusted. Feel seen, feel that you matter, and to have that bond. And research has shown that the people who are most depressed, most anxious, most ill, are the ones who are isolated. Now what does Allah's evidence show us in our lives? Would you have known or imagined that the evidence of this connectedness and the need to be connected is all around us, but we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention. You would think that it's only human beings who need to have those healthy bonds with our kind. But to surprise you, Allah has wired this need for connection in everything. Those of you who are familiar with dogs and cats would know this right away. What do dogs and cats like to do? I have cats. You know, 
the first thing they do in the morning is that they come near you, they come near me and start rubbing against my own body, purring, begging literally in their eyes and voices for a touch, just for you to stroke them and rub them. And those of you who are familiar with animals, you know very well they like to be stroked, touched, and they like to have their ears and necks and bellies and backs scratched. You know, I was uh, at a staples for, for, for horses with my daughter, and they had horses, but they also had a couple of donkeys. And I was asking the caretakers of the place, why do they have donkeys here? Nobody's going to ride a donkey in America, right? They even disappeared from overseas now. Two donkeys. And I come near, I come near one of them, and the first thing that the donkey did was to stick its neck out. And I'm like, why is it sticking its neck out? I'm not familiar with this. I asked the caretaker and asked my own daughter, and she said, they want to be stroked. I said, subhanAllah. Donkey have no relationship with a donkey. Why does a donkey need my touch, a human being, that is not similar to it? Allah's design. That even a donkey needed a hug and needed a touch, that contributes to its happiness and well-being. Would we need a better message from the creation of Allah, from everything all around us, from the ant to the animal to human beings, telling us and begging us, I need a hug. Would you have imagined that all of us human beings and every single thing in creation, once upon a time, was squished together, squished together in a little tiny can called Big Bang thing, the tiny little thing that had this infinite mass and suddenly it, it exploded. Scientists are actually showing you and showing me right now from evidence out there from the stars that the elements that make you up from hydrogen and carbon are shared with the stars, as if the stars are looking at you, telling you, we share a common origin. Turns out this bond, this connectedness, is the theme of all creation, and you cannot exist without it. Now, what is our age about? Our age is, is the age of loneliness and individualism, isn't it? The self, the me, 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 that I'm better than you. The message that I don't need you, I need to be ahead of you. We're living in an age that promotes this idea that you don't need others, you need to break away and splinter from your family from your parents, from even your spouse for something better. Relationships are broken. And what is happening? People are experiencing pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. And an age when we're supposed to be more interconnected through the internet, through this and that, it turns out that people are broken and are experiencing greater and greater depression and pain because of one thing, because of that pill being missing in their lives and they have no idea. We see marriages breaking apart spouses running away from each other. We see children being encouraged at the age of 16 and 17, 18, being told, hey, run away from your parents. You don't need them. You don't need them. They're standing in the way of your happiness. Isn't it true? I've, I've, ten, you know, I've, I've, I've been uh, kind of counseled, or you know, my counsel's been sought in a lot of cases where literally children run away from their parents because of someone out there telling them, you don't need your parents. You don't need your family. You don't need your siblings. And we think we're going to thrive and become better only to be set up to be broken in this life. Would we pay attention to what Allah is telling you and me? We can never grow. We can never flourish. We can never become better, nor can we become able or get you know, to that point where we're able to fulfill our potential without meaningful relationships. They've studied communities across the world to figure out who's the happiest communities. And they've identified a couple of towns in the world where people are happiest, where they age better. They're just more satisfied. And they're living healthier lives, and it turned out that these two places have thriving communities, where the grandparents know the children of the neighborhood, 
where families are close to each other, subhanAllah, like a, like a mosque. And one of them is a community in Japan called Okinawa, well known for the bonds among its community members. They've done more studies where they actually found Muslims to be the happiest among all religious groups who identify with this oneness and connectedness to each other. The evidence is all around us, summoning all of us and calling us to get back home, so to speak. Get back to investing in relationships in our lives and figuring out what else do we need to do to cultivate those relationships and take them to the next level. Allah Azza wa Jal, brothers and sisters, over and over emphasizes the significance of relationships. Isn't it true? We see this emphasis in the Quran on being an ummah. Ummah. You know the word ummah, community actually shares the root word with um, mother. It's your home. It's your womb, so to speak. No one can thrive outside of the masjid by themselves. When we feel or choose to be isolated, we are choosing our own depression, making a choice to be depressed and actually suffer in this life. It is in the Quran that we see this emphasis on what's called uhuwa, brotherhood and sisterhood. Brotherhood and sisterhood, the first thing that the Prophet did when he went to Medina, to ensure that the community would grow was to do what? Ensure that he brought every member of the community of the immigrants and literally established a bond, formal bond with another person of the Ansar, of the people of Medina. SubhanAllah, called them brothers or sisters, they had to take care of each other. The people of Medina had to host them, share their resources, share things with them to ensure that they can thrive and succeed in this life. Formal brotherhood, formal sisterhood. It is something we all yearn for, even Sigmund Freud. And many of us, you know, as you know, we know the issues of Sigmund Freud, the father of psychoanalysis. Even he said, human beings crave for a return to their mother's womb crave for a return to their mother's womb and feeling that connectedness to be back home. SubhanAllah. We didn't need Sigmund Freud to tell us this. It's all over the Quran. And Allah, once again, is asking us to look outside and see how much we need this. And to show us the evidence that you cannot grow without it. Look at the most powerful of examples right now around this center. Look at a tree and how it functions. And we know very well that the tree once upon a time before it became the tree that feeds us with its shade, with its fruits, with its beauty, was a seed. Now, we, we, you know, we don't need rocket scientists to figure this out or farmers. No seed can be thrown on the ground and grow. You need to plant it in a soil. And you need to take care of that soil. You need to cultivate that soil. You need to fertilize that soil. And you need time with that soil. And when that soil hugs, Literally, look at the function, look at the operation. The seed is planted as if it's hugged by the soil. And not any soil would accept the seed. The dry soil would not accept the seed. So the seed, you know, the, the soil had to be willing to accept the seed and hug the seed within it, like a womb of a mother. And when that seed is embedded and feels safe, feels nourished, feels hugged, feels taken care of, what happens to it? It opens up. And when it opens up, it spreads its roots, and the trunk grows, and it becomes the tree in front of you. SubhanAllah. All that happened because of a womb, because of this connection, SubhanAllah, you see and witness the beauty that comes out, the fulfilled potential. And if I were to ask you, what if you were to take this tree and remove it from the soul, what would happen? It's dead. How many of us children who grow up understand that when we splinter and separate 
what happens to us is a, is a destruction and a death. Even if we're still walking and talking, deep inside of us, we're miserable. Because we're like a tree that shows to uproot itself from the ground, from its womb, from its mother. That's what Allah has in the Quran says, community is so important. The masjid is so important. Your brothers and your sisters in your community are key to your well-being and your growth. You can't grow without them. And then to talk about family. And then to talk about your parents. And to say parents, parents, parents. There's a reason why Allah said parents. Brothers and sisters, it turns out to be your womb and my womb. None of us has a memory of the womb. Yet that's how we originated. Allah chose for you and me. And not even the greatest person who has achieved all kinds of glories on this earth can say that I didn't experience this. But we choose to forget it. That once upon a time we're a little seed, tiny little thing embedded in our mother's wombs. Nine months of being nurtured and cared for around the clock. Lots of tears of mothers being shed. Lots of labor, lots of pain. And Allah wanted it to be a journey of pain. To understand that we could not grow up to be the babies that we were without that womb. And then when we exited from it, and we age and so on and so forth, so forth, we started to rebel against the parents. And to protest against the parents. And to be ungrateful to the parents. And to raise our voices against the parents. And to think of the parents as a detriment, as an obstacle to our own growth. And Allah says, those are the parents that brought you up that brought you to where you are, and without them, you couldn't even be there. But it's easy for the shaitan, and bear in mind, Allah reminds us of what the shaitan did, talking about the culture of ego and self. What did the shaitan do? Allah tells us, here's where pain is. Here's where suffering is. The first thing that happened when Allah has asked the shaitan to prostrate to Adam out of respect and honor, what did the shaitan say? What made him shaitanic? Shaitan, the one who was expelled from the mercy of Allah, who suffered the most. It's when he said, me, I am better. I'm better than him. I'm not gonna do that. Even though Allah's in front of him, he had more iman than all of us combined. He witnessed it, yet he didn't have iman. And what is it that ripped that iman away from him, even though he's surrounded by evidence of Allah and the angels of Allah? It's when he said, I am better. I don't need Adam. I don't need anyone around me. I'm going to splinter away. I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to be independent because I'm better. And Allah said, I'm going to give you a chance. And he didn't take the chance to repent. And what happened was that he was expelled from the mercy of Allah. Expelled from the mercy of Allah. Allah is showing us once again, you know what? We need it. We need it's a duty that somehow our community needs us, our family needs us, our parents needs us. Our spouses need us. No, no, no. We need them. We need each other. And it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Most of us are not willing to invest. We want others to invest in us. But who's willing to take that first step? Pay attention to what Allah says in the Quran. When He says, Allah has decreed that you shouldn't worship anyone but Him. And then He says, and then to be kind to your parents. Be kind. Allah is not asking for much. Be kind. Be dutiful. Be compassionate. The Prophet ﷺ says that indeed may someone be miserable who is living and both of their parents are alive and they're aging and they were not a cause for him or her to enter Jannah. And he said literally both of them. Both of them are there. For us it's an opportunity to be a vehicle to Jannah. Literally Jannah. And the person chooses to be harsh and cruel with them. 
to literally look at them as a burden in this life and to repel, rebel against them and cause them pain, endless pain. Allah says, be careful. Prophet Muhammad says, the person will be miserable and their noses will be rubbed in the ground, meaning that they're going to suffer a lot. They're going to be miserable in this life because they have given up the greatest opportunity of their lives. A man comes to the Prophet and says, Oh Prophet of Allah, I've sinned. I've sinned. I committed something great. He says, do you have parents in this life? He says, I don't have parents in this life. Is your mother here? No. Father here? No. Nobody's here. He says, do you have an aunt? He says, yeah, I have an aunt. He says, well, go find that aunt. Be dutiful and kind to her. Spend the rest of your life like this and Allah will forgive all of your sins. I committed something great. I did something so nasty. And I don't know how to recover from it. Allah says, go find your parents. Take care of them. And Allah will take care of you. Be kind to them. That's all that Allah is asking, not much. And that once, one day in our lives, we ourselves will become the parents who have those children. So Allah says, pay attention. This bond is the most important of bonds in your lives. And those people around you are there for a reason. We ask Allah to make us among the merciful, among them, the kind. Among those who become a source of healing and satisfaction for those people around us. وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم فاستغفروه الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق سيد المسيح سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين it's as if Prophet Muhammad has already known the research, right? And summoned us to understand what we need in our lives to flourish and grow. He knows it. Allah has guided his soul to see and understand all of this and to remind us constantly. So he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man sarrahu an yumadda lahu fi umrih wa yuzaadu lahu fi rizqih fal yaburra walidayhi wal yasr rahimah. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, something beautiful. He says, whoever desires a longer life and increased provision, by the way, the things that I cited at the beginning, including your well-being, that's part of your provision. To be satisfied in life, that's provision. To function better cognitively, that's part of your provision. To feel less depressed in life, that's part of your provision. But also to enjoy the blessings of this life. Allah will dump more on you and me, he says. If you desire this, plus a longer life, longer life, longevity. He said it, sallallahu alayhi wa and that's what research is showing us right now. He said, let them, her, him or her, be dutiful and kind to their baba and mama, right? To their parents. And and to also be good to their kins. Good to their kins and connect that kin. And the word rahim in Arabic is amazing. The word rahim, which means kinship, family, right? Is a word that shares its truth also with the word ar-Rahman, the name of Allah Azzawajal. Rahman. Rahman. And Rahman shares also the linguistic root with the word Rahim, which is really the kinship plus the womb. The womb is Rahim. And that's no accident. No accident. And it's not random that Allah chose that word to be Rahim and Rahman. As if to tell you, my Rahmah towards you is like, like that womb of care. Allah constantly surrounds us with His care, brothers and sisters, with His love, with His affection. And calls you to connect with him as a Rahman, as if you're connected to this womb that you desperately need. You're already in it. We're already in it. We're already in that womb of care from Allah Azza wa Jal. Even if we choose to ignore it and run away from it, detach from Allah, and we suffer as a result. 
But Allah is telling you, you and I need to return back to that beautiful womb in our lives. To reconnect with us. Reconnect with our parents. Reconnect with our families. Reconnect with our spouses. With our children and children reconnecting with their parents before it's too late. Before it's too late. And I know this is not easy. I know this is not easy. So Allah in the Quran describes to us the challenges of family. Families are tough. Families are challenging. Families can become a burden in life. And how easy is it to follow the steps of the shaitan who tells us, well, look at what they're doing. Look at what he's doing. Look at, look at what she's doing. And now you got to reject them because of their nastiness to you. I know it's hard. So Allah gave us all kinds of examples of the, in the Quran to illustrate the challenges of families and told you and me even prophets had to deal with this. So we find Nuh a prophet of Allah amongst the best five, having a son who's a kafir. We find Lut among the prophets of Allah mentioned in the Quran whose wife left Islam and didn't believe in him. We find Asya, this incredible virtuous wife being married to Fir'aun. And we also find Ibrahim the son, the virtuous, dutiful son whose father was a kafir. So how should he be deal with it when his father is a kafir? Not just unkind him. Kafir who is so cruel with him, his own father. Allah describes it to us in the Quran. And he tells us that when his father showed and displayed that attitude, what was the reaction of Ibrahim? The dutiful kind son to his own father, the harsh cruel father. It was to re re you know, return that nastiness and cruelty with kindness and softness and tenderness. And he was so concerned for his father and his faith that he went up to his father and Allah recorded this conversation where he says what? Ya qala, qala li abihi ya abati. When he told his father ya abati, and abati in Arabic is a very gentle, tender call to your father. Not baba, abati. It, it shows somebody who's being you know, minimized, so to speak. Miniaturized, belittled in the presence of his own father or his own mother. Say, oh, Abati, without calling them something harsh. Hey, Baba, blah, 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 you done this, you're horrible, and to raise our voices. No, 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 kept his voice so soft, and he was so humble, saying, oh, Father, I beg you, oh, my beloved Father, and he's showing the softness, telling him, oh, Father, why are you worshiping that which doesn't hear and doesn't see, meaning the idols? And he says, yeah, Abati, oh, Abati, I have received some knowledge that could be a benefit for you. Please follow me. I want to take you to a good place. He's concerned. He didn't abandon his father. No, he was there gently talking to him. He says, Oh, father, I fear, oh, dad, I fear for you to be touched by the fire of Allah in the hereafter and that you would follow the shaitan. Oh, father, please listen to me. What does the father tell him? Hey, Ibrahim. Are you desiring someone other than my gods? I'm gonna stone you. And he was one of the people who conspired on Ibrahim to burn him. Can you imagine? How much did your father, my father, or my mother, or your mother have done for us to take us to the level where they're gonna kill us? Like Ibrahim? No. No. And here's his own father having threatened him to kill him if he doesn't listen to him. So what should Ibrahim say? Damn you, dad, right? You're horrible. You're going in a hellfire. No. He responded by saying, Salamun alaykum. I'm going to go make God for you. Say, Ya Allah, forgive my father. Oh, this Lord of mine is so gentle and kind to me. He's always taking care of me. He's reminding his father, you need, you need Allah. Right? 
This is the conversation. This is the dialogue of a soft heart, brothers and sisters, who understands I can't rebel against my own father, my own mother, and protest against them, and be ungrateful to them. They're my source. And Allah placed them and made them as such. That my own kindness to them is my means to growing up, fulfilling my potential, and becoming beloved to Allah Azza wa Himself. That this is the best thing that I can do. So what do we conclude with? What do we do, brothers and sisters? What is it that we need to cultivate, to reconnect, and to grow, and to bring the best out of ourselves? Allah tells us two things that are desperately needed in families, from everyone. But especially children that are growing up because we are being encouraged to splinter, separate. He says, Mawadda and Rahma. Mawadda and Rahma. Rahma again is to be a womb. We think, no, others need to be a womb of care for us. How about you and me becoming a womb of care for those around us? Your father and my father, your mother and my mother, your siblings, your spouses, your children are crying. They need a hug. You know, the donkey asked for it. The cat asked for it. How many of us go out of our ways to give hugs to our parents, to our spouses, to our children, and children to learn how to give a hug to their parents? And not to say, because they're mean to me, I'm not going to give them a hug. How many of us would go out of our way to express this womb of care by putting a smile on their faces, by asking for their duas, by making time, by being present, by doing our best, I know life is hard, by at least being gentle and not raising our voices. Allah just says, lower your wings in humility, and Allah will honor you and raise you. This is the message of Allah, brothers and sisters, and this is a tremendous reminder from Allah from Prophet Muhammad from Ibrahim and how many of us, even, even if we're not able to do much or spend time on the side, we raise our hands and say, Ya Allah, have forgiveness, have mercy on my parents, because they raised me up at a time when I couldn't take care of myself. That when my parents were there to bring me up, to carry me, to lift me up, behind the smiles of your mothers, brothers and sisters, are tears for you and me. Behind the strength of our fathers, Wallahi is much pain, much pain, and parents, all of us know this. But we as children grow up and we forget until the day when we have children. And we start saying, oh, I wish I gave that hug. I wish I smiled. I wish I respected. Because I'm seeing the pain right now in my own life with my own children. With my own children. What a beautiful message in this time of Sha'ban. Because Ramadan is also about this. About helping us pay attention to our bonds and connectedness. The best of the best are those who pay attention to us whose hearts are big enough to strive patiently and to plant the seeds and to serve as that womb of care and affection. The more that you're able to do this despite the pain from others around you, from parents, from siblings, from families, from spouses, from children, the more that you're able to do this, wallahi, the, the more that you're, you're on your way, inshallah, to becoming the best of the best. We ask Allah Azza wa to allow us to understand these powerful messages. We ask Allah to make us among the merciful, to make us among those who are beautiful and kind to our parents, our spouses, our children, to make us the best of children and the best of parents. We ask Allah to grant us His guidance, to make us among those who witness His mercy in the middle of the month of Sha'ban, and to make us witness the month of Ramadan. Allahumma khfilana wa alhamna, wa'afu anna wa tawalla amrana wa ahsan khalasana. Allahumma adina ila siratika al-mustaqeem, sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim, wa ila al-mabdug alayhim wa al-dhaleen. Ameen, O Allah, we ask you, Allah, that you send your mercy and forgiveness upon our parents, that you grant us your guidance, Ya Allah, that you surround us with your care. O Allah, send your peace and prayers upon Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa akhru salam.